Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Morning Woods. I'm Miles Tridel, writer, producer, and narrator of this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. I waited a while to have a kid. I guess the research says that's pretty typical for my generation, but it sure didn't seem that way when all my friends were getting married, pregnant, or both in their early 20s. I always made the same excuse at family reunions and holidays. The right girl just hasn't come along yet. The truth that only I knew was I myself wasn't right for anyone. I tried to have relationships in college, and I don't just mean summer flings and drunken one-nighters. I really tried to connect with some great young ladies during those years. I'd wanted to settle down and start a family since I was a kid, truly. I wasn't the type of guy who needed big adventures or to chase adrenaline to feel satisfied. A few close friends and a supportive partner were all I chased after, but... What chased after me kept me from all of that. It started when I was really young. I might have been eight or nine the first time I came into my room and found my backpack had been spilled out on the floor. I didn't have any siblings and it didn't seem like the type of thing either of my parents would do. That happened a few more times over a period of months, but never when I had friends over. The day it happened when my parents were both outside was the first time it really scared me. I talked to my parents about it one time at dinner. My dad agreed that it sounded strange and I thought he took it seriously until he glanced away from me to smirk at my mom. I don't know why parents don't think their kids notice or understand those looks they give each other. I remember getting pretty upset and leaving the table unexcused that night. My dad apologized but I think he could tell I needed a bigger gesture from him. He brought home a goldfish the next day and told me it would keep an eye on my room when I wasn't there. I know it was stupid to think a goldfish could offer any protection, but I was illogically comforted knowing I wasn't alone in there. You know, for a while, nothing weird happened. But then it got so much worse. I came home from school on a Friday afternoon excited to pack for a sleepover I'd been invited to. I pushed open my bedroom door to find my goldfish lying still in a tiny puddle next to his bowl. I cried to my parents who reasoned that he must have floundered his way out over the top and fallen out. Hoping it would cheer me up, they offered to get another one. At the sleepover that night, I told my friends what happened to my fish and decided to tell them about the backpack too. One of them asked me what I thought was happening and out of nowhere I blurted out, I think there's a spirit in my room. I said, a spirit. Not a ghost or a monster like most kids that age might have said. I don't know why I used that particular word, but it came out so naturally. Needless to say, I spooked my friends pretty bad. 
One of them told their parents they couldn't sleep that night because I told them scary stories, and I found I wasn't as welcome to hang out with him anymore. He was the first friend in a long line that I would lose. To try and shorten the story, I'll just say my parents did get me a second goldfish and a tank rather than a bowl to make sure it wouldn't jump out this time. A few days went by, and like a tragic deja vu, I came home from school to find the fish dead on my dresser. My parents were not so comforting that time. They couldn't conceive of any way the fish could have died without some cruel act on my part. I was disciplined, but the real punishment was the way they looked at me any time a dead squirrel or rabbit turned up in our yard or even our neighborhood. By the time I reached high school, no one wanted to hang around me. Even though I was quiet about the times I would find the clothes from my closet strewn across the floor or the books from my shelf tossed on my bed, the rumors started by my young friends had blossomed into an inescapable reputation. I was branded untouchable and became unseeable. I hoped everything would change when I left for college. A new city, new people, and a fresh start were exactly what I needed after nearly a decade of being a tormented outcast. The first friend I lost was my roommate. He was pretty upset when he came back from class to find all my dirty laundry piled on his bed. Those girls I mentioned earlier, the ones I tried to date, things would start out so well with them only to turn sour when items they'd bring to my room would vanish. Of course, the explanation I would offer them didn't help keep them around. But here I am, I'm now 36 and happily married to the love of my life. Does she believe my stories about the spirit in my room? No. But she hasn't needed to. When I was about 32, the odd occurrences stopped. Lucky for me, that correlated almost perfectly with me meeting my wife. She recently gave birth to our beautiful baby boy, and now I have achieved the dream I had as a child. There's only one thing that worries me, and it probably wouldn't if it weren't for my past. My son acts sort of strangely when I'm around. My wife says he only does it when I'm there. He doesn't seem to be able to focus on me most of the time. If I can manage to catch his attention and get a smile from him, he'll quickly glance at the wall behind me and fall serious. I've tried it everywhere, every room in the house, outside, in public, but he seems too nervous to even make any sound when I'm around him. It sounds crazy to say as his dad, but I hope, I mean really, truly, and honestly hope, that I'm actually what he's afraid of. You can support The Warning Woods by clicking the Anchor Support link in the description, or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, the best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.